as we round the turn. Steve, you, you do not in sync. You're copying me even on that. Let's see how <laughs> it's many consistent theme today. Let's see how many passes we get here. <laughs> the Cowboys. Cowboys. And if you look at Dallas here, and this is one I think I'm going to be a little contrary on. It's 10 under 120, no vig. What do you got, Fed? I actually like over the 10. You know, the Cowboys, I know they only won eight games last year. They really should have won 10 or 11. So now we're talking about how many they should win. Okay. It's convenient how you do that sometimes. Well, sometimes you don't. Well, true. Well, Maddie's here, and Maddie's always down on YPP. And Dallas, of course, was awesome yards per play. Six and a half, best in the so NFL. So, by the way, he's not down he's on. Up. He's He's down with. He's down with YPP in Dallas. Incredible six and a half yards per play. Give up 5.2. Number one differential in the NFL. But they go 0-5 in the close game. So they should have won 10 or 11. And I don't really see them being any worse this year versus last year. They've got a couple issues on the O-line. I am concerned about that. Like the second or third best center in football just gone? Yes, Collins just went down. And that is a big deal. And Frederick, their center, is out yeah, as That's what well. I was talking about, the center. Yeah, there's the, uh, Collins got injured as well. So. Oh, oh, wow. I mean, he's really good too. So, and what position is he? He's the tackle. Oh, okay. So I was talking center then. Yeah, Frederick. Right. Go ahead. He had a good year last year. So certainly that awesome Dallas O line is not going to be nearly as good on the O line. Skill position players still look incredibly good. Bringing in Lamb, I'm on the over ten. Where did Lamb go? One to, uh, like in the first round, like 16 or whatever? 15, somewhere in the middle, yeah. Why didn't all the teams I had know if they just picked Lamb, how great it would have been as a draft? I, I, don't, I don't understand it. Well, there was, because there was like three awesome wide receivers, mm -hmm. all right? So everyone who was picking 11 to 15, you, they, these three guys were interchangeable, and Lamb was the third guy. Was okay, so why didn't anyone else get him when they could have had a great draft too? I think it like just the team ahead of the Cowboys. It could have just as easily been Jerry Judy that went third. So you're saying that like, just maybe they got that Lamb could have went 11, but he went 15. And yeah. That and that value is what we're that we've spent so much time talking Probably about. Probably too much time. Yeah. You think? What you got, Matt? The, this was a pass for me. I, I actually leaned to go over though before I ended up passing for I I, I do you know I am down with YPP mm -hmm. and six point five. The next best team in the league, the Kansas City Chiefs, were six point two. I mean, there's a lot of teams that are are tied or close. They were they were clear, almost a full half point ahead of the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, their offensive numbers last year. Um, you meant a half yard, right? Half yard, mm -hmm. a half yard better. I mean, it's really impressive. I, it's hard to deny those numbers, but the fact that they have a new coach and a new OC in a time where, you know. Do they have a new OC? Kellen Moore still. Oh, I mean, sorry, just the new coach with, yeah. with the OC. Um, you know, and Who knows? That, that seems like it's continuity or it could be conflict. Yeah, we don't know because it's a veteran coach. It's not a young guy coming in who's more likely to say, all right, Kellen, you got it. It's mm -hmm. a veteran coming He's an offensive in. coach. That's right. So I'll. For that reason, I'm not 100% sure how it's going to go. And and 10's a little steep, and I mm -hmm. think we'd all agree the Giants are probably a little better than last year, and Washington's kind of the great unknown there. Um, well, if Daniel Jones is 34, where you got Daniel Jones? Daniel Jones, 33. Where do you have Oh, Dak? now 34, correct, because uh -huh. I'm moving up. <laughs> Lock above him. Where do you have Dak? Dak is number seven. Okay, yeah. I mean, that seems about right. You got over? I got over. Under. This is back to the directional stuff. 
I agree with you. If Dallas's over under was eight, love the over. But by saying they should have won 10 or 11 game, now what was that 11th win? I like to see where that 11th win was. Oh, just that they were 0 and 5. No, I understand that. Two and a half games, could, close games. No, no, no. I understand how you did it. What I'm saying is, I, will, I mean, I followed the Dallas scores. I want you to explain to me that 11th game they would have won. They, didn't, they didn't, weren't in a position to win 11 games. There's times you can be within eight points and not really have a great chance to win the game. You would agree with that, right? I would. And you, you bring up a great point because the New England game, although it was close and competitive, New England was favored throughout the game to win. And they was did competitive. Get, what was the scenario Dallas was going to win that game? Like, down, what would have had to happen? They were down seven in the red zone. They kicked it. Dallas kicked a field goal. Okay. So they could have, if everything went right, tied the game. Yes. I mean, just, and they were down half big against the Jets the whole way. They could have won the Viking game easily, and they could have won the Saint game. Those were coin flip games. The Saint game was not a coin flip. We well, had Dallas. Ten. I know the score. Did you watch the game? Yeah. It wasn't a coin. Listen, I'm not saying Dallas wasn't over, or I'm not saying 10 is even unfair. But let's say 10's correct. You're right. Two and three, close game. I, I think in that scenario, that's fair. This is 10 is where we're at. So do we discount I mean, there's no way what's happening with Dak's a good thing. There's no way. It's just not. It's not like Aaron Rodgers where he's making his $66 million over four years and now he's a little perturbed. Mm. This is like the guy hasn't been, you know, he's getting paid good this year, but he is the first quarterback that was franchised since Cousins. In fact, the only franchise in the history since they've done this, I think it goes back to 2004 as the league, it's Cousins. The one time a good quarterback, the team just said, we don't want you. We don't like you. We don't want you. Are we going to act like the Dak being the second is going to be like no fa- – and again, let's be candid. I've been talking about this since, what, March? Mm-hmm. This is unusual how long this is going. In, in, in March, it's continued. How are you accounting for that? I'm not. That's a I, factor, right? It is a factor. And last year they won 10, or they would have won 10 if everything went their way. Do we really know for sure there's not something about Dallas that causes them to lose some of these games more than you'd think? Because isn't aren't the Patriots the kind of team that they win more than the stats say? Well, yes. Hasn't Dallas been a team that's underperformed in general for the last, I don't know, 25 years? 25? It's been I, since they, I'm just thinking about Jason Garrett, you know, consistently making bad um, game management decisions. Mm-hmm. And McCarthy, and McCarthy he ranking that one? He is not. He's not good at it either. So it's almost like you're saying if everything last year was the stats and not actually on, you know, what actually happened on the scoreboard, they should have won 10 games. But in the interim, we've had a disruption of coach in a COVID year. And we have a quarterback having almost an unprecedented amount of disrespect from the ownership, and we're saying, yeah, let's run it back with not what they won last year, but what they could have won last year. How can that be too cheap? Because the, the division I'm down on. I really don't like Washington. I don't like the Giants. And well, I don't do you like, like Washington what's going on with any the less than you did last year? No, they're the same. Okay. They and the Giants are both we're both well, awful. The Giants last year aren't the year. same, though. By all accounts, the Giants are better. better. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I don't get it. W- which way? Because. You're right. Philly was worse than they were expected to be, but is Philly really going to be worse than they were? Yeah, they only won nine last year. 
So you haven't convinced me. All right. This is directional. You're right directionally, and that's what I'm doing here. Is I'm snapping it back. I'm, I'm keeping the market reasonable under. All right. Speaking of Philly, uh-oh. Fez always gets Blossom, and this is his best bet. Let's hear our gal. Don't know about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Fez, you know that Blossom was Jewish? I did not. Mm, just didn't know. <laughs> Go. I do know. Best bet, Eagles, under nine and a half wins. Got to be honest, the Eagles won nine games last year and had all kinds of injury issues throughout the year. I thought it'd be on the Eagles over. But uh, now already the Eagles... They're the most injured team in the NFL. Cluster injuries at wide receiver. This happened last year. So, number two wide receiver, Jeffrey, is out indefinitely. The rookie wide receiver, Rieger, is doubtful to start the year. And that O-line, they've already lost two starters on the O-line. And they have a third guy, Lane Johnson, lower body injury. He's questionable week one. If that wasn't bad enough, their running back is injured. So, let's be clear. We're talking about the season. Mm-hmm. So the week one stuff doesn't mean very much. Well, I think, and they play the Redskins week one. Yeah, but so. the fact that we're already starting a situation where two linemen are out for the year. Yeah, but year. you think because someone else got hurt, that there's a propensity for them to keep. I mean, Lane Johnson's age, maybe you could make that case. It's a small part of it. Yeah, fair enough. And it's the, like you always go, like if you let him. It's like a kid. If it's like okay, you can um, eat candy. He's gonna keep eating that candy till you say no. Like Homer Simpson eating that donuts episode, yeah, right? Whatever or, it is, it's like, why don't you just it's feel a free good roll? That, it's nice that yeah, when but but you spend you spend like forty percent of your time talking about things that are in dispute. Why not emphasize the stuff that isn't? All right. The the lineman is the very key. And so the fact that keeping Wentz healthy is what's most important for this team. And the fact that they've already got two linemen out for the year makes it much less likely he stays healthy for the or year. Or less likely that they're aggressive on offense. Maybe there's a lot more short passes and other things that hurt their uh, their productivity. Sure. And already Wentz isn't, didn't practice last week, so he already isn't 100% to start the year. I'm on the Eagles under 9.5. I, I like this. I agree with it. And it's one of my top five, I'd say. And it's back to COVID is I, and plus at some point you got to wonder, does this team start to feel snake bit? I don't, I, I know that Mike Lombardi got a lot of heat for St. Peterson's not a great coach, you know, before they won. I don't think he's a great coach. I don't. And the talent and the assistance has been thinned out and I'm just not sure they might not lose. I mean, it, do they start to, if Wentz has a bad year, Cause of the O line, let's say, is a real. I mean, Philly, you know, once booed Santa Claus. Wentz is not as popular as Santa Claus. He has zero playoff wins. It could be a team that actually has trouble in uh, in that three game losing streak, especially if Dallas wins fourteen games like you expect. Fez, undefeated. <laughs> really? What do you got, Matt? I like the under as well. And just as important as the offensive line that Fez mentioned is the wide receiver situation. Number one wide receiver, Alshon Jeffrey, out. Number two receiver. Well, how long for Jeffrey? A season, I think, right? Or I read indefinitely. I don't know what how long that is. It's not tomorrow. Yeah. Jalen Rager is already going to miss the first two for sure with a separated shoulder. So he's going to be out for some significant portion of time. 
we know Deshaun Jackson can't really be your number one at this point. He has to be that deep threat. But that's your number one receiver. And you go after that, it's J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, but Quez Watkins, who was brought in to be like a third, fourth receiver, he's hurt. Marquise Godwin's hurt. I mean, this is a team that is really, really light on receivers right now. So Wentz, not only does he have offensive line issues, who's he throwing the football to right now? Dallas Goddard. It, it makes the choice of a backup quarterback in the numbers or the second round, all the, you know, whatever criticism Philly got for that feels like you got to increase it now that the injuries are starting to power. Cause I mean, they had a second rounder, right? I mean, and not that necessarily cause they took a first round wide receiver, right? Well, there's no rule. You can't take a, some other offensive player. And if you do take an offensive player, do you, you know, is it the backup Wentz? And it's a guy that's not even a ready-made backup is the theory, right? And I don't even know that he's going to be the backup going into the season, Jalen Hurts. I thought it was Sudfeld. And the Eagles just picked up a, another quarterback, right? The 41-year-old guy for the practice squad. So I don't know, read into that, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, if this guy becomes like a slash type um, and, and uh, the name's uh, the Oklahoma. Jalen Hurts. Hurts, yeah, is... <laughs> If he ends up being someone that's playing, you know, uh, almost like with the Saints and in that situation, then maybe it's a smart pick. But, boy, it doesn't look good so far. Let's just say whatever criticism that was warranted for that pick on draft night, it's even more pointed now, I think. Yeah. All right? So, yeah. I think I'm looking at these teams to say if they lose three in a row, how do they react? And I'm not sure Philly reacts well, especially if Dallas does have a good year. Okay, <laughs> as I call Mr. Daniel Jones, over under on the Giants, over, or it's six wins, over minus 110. I like under. It's all about strength of schedule for the Giants. Last year, the Giants won four games. They had the, the easiest schedule in the NFL. Still could only win four. This year, the Giants have the second hardest schedule in the NFL. How are they going to improve their wins by three when they go from the easiest to the hardest schedule? Well, I mean, the theory is they weren't. I mean, how many games were they supposed to win last year? It's hard to imagine that. I mean, you, you pull these stats out a lot. What? It's almost like but when they're omitted. You they won of, four, but their over-under was five. <laughs> well, but I'm saying that, like, let's say we look at YPP, all right? That's a way to look at it. What, what were they ranked? Minus 20th in offense. Okay, but I'm saying the net number was yeah. ranked what? I just have the minus. So right around 20th. All right. So how many wins does the 20th best team have? A seven. seven? But why didn't we hear that one? All right? Fair enough. <laughs> I'm not saying I, you know, I, by the way, I've got the over here. I, to me, it's about Daniel Jones. If he is 34, whatever, you know, if he's worse than the number of teams in the league, this team's got nothing to, to redeem beyond that. I, I'm just hearing people. I was a skeptic, but I'm the guys that watch the all 22 seem to be fans of Daniel Jones. What do you got, Matt? I have over six as well here, Ooh. so I'm going to be fading Fez. <clears throat> this is a team that was 30th in points allowed last year, so only two teams worse than them in points allowed, yet their opponents, YPP per game, was 19th. 
So that so it said that they shouldn't have allowed as many yards as they did per game. We can only assume that that defense is going to go up. It certainly can't be worse than last year. Their offense was already in the top 20 in YPP. We have to assume a year now Daniel Jones, who wasn't even a rookie starter, had to come in in the middle of the season. Is going to be better this year. And he has healthy weapons, a healthy Sterling Shepard, a healthy running back, Saquon Barkley in the bar- in the backfield to start the season. I think, you know, with a healthy Evan Ingram, healthy Sterling Shepard, healthy Saquon Barkley, and a year under his belt, we have to assume Daniel Jones is going to be better, that their offensive and defensive numbers are going to improve. And even if they don't, their numbers last year say they were average. Average team wins seven games. I'm going over six. I thought usually when you work, get worked up like that, you end it with a pass. But th- this one is <laughs> over. All right. So. Oh. Listen. How do we assess Joe Judge? This is a guy that was packing his bags for Mississippi State. And now he's the New York football giants. You're on the under, Fez. How does Joe Judge fit into it? Well, certainly Giants are a COVID team we want to fade early in the year because you've got an coach. Any new coach. Well, I you know what? Any new coach but an unproven mm-hmm. head coach I think is more significant. So Great. I think fading Matt Rule and Joe Judge are the two that absolutely come to the forefront. And then Stefanski third. I think if you've got a coach that's got lots of head coaching experience like a McCarthy yeah, but or remember, Rivera. The, the Browns have so many good players. It could be a <laughs> challenge for the coach. Yeah. Right? Spreading that ball around. Unique handicap. Chubb. Okay. Hey, Mackenzie, I asked you to look into something, and I forgot what it was. What was it? It was Derek Carr, and he had uh, his. Yeah, do you want go me to? Ahead. Yes, please. Let me just throw it up on the screen here. No, no, I'll, I'll let you. Uh... Okay, yeah, he had his career best in passing yards, QBR, traditional passer rating, and yards per attempt, career best. Go over that one more time. All right, so in 2019, Derek Carr had his career best in passing yards. All right, so passing yards—that's a good thing. More yards. Go ahead. Yards per attempt. So career best as in he never did this well. Yes. Yards per attempt. So that means you're both getting accounting stats and efficiency. QBR and traditional passer rating. First in his career. Best in his career. QBR. and So in every way you can measure a quarterback, he had his best year. Yes. What do you have to say, Matt? Yeah, I think it's interesting. And I, <laughs> I Look, it's not going to help him with his number one wide receiver down. It's not going to help him with Mariota now suddenly hunting behind him, even though well, I but, can't imagine. So if only they had less good players. No, I don't think they have good players. Well, I think I'm they're saying one is, I think you had a worse backup, then Carr would be well, better I think up. The only wide receiver we know that they had that was good was Tyrell Williams, and he's gone. So we don't even know that they have any good wide receivers on this team. Yeah, but you weren't talking about the receivers. You were talking about Carr and... The head coach, Gruden. And the still after the, all that, you know, best, 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 the talk after the season was who are the Raiders going to get to replace Derek Carr? So if anything, that seems like, and I'm being serious here, it seems like Carr's thinking I might be out the door after this year. If I have another year like last year, I'm going to get a four, you know, he'll get like a contract like um, Tannehill. Oh, I have yeah. no doubt he's going to play his ass off. Yeah. Hey, listen, uh, let's give McKenzie... Uh, thank you bud sure thing <laughs> all right his breathing's weird he's heavy he's husky I but he't he's not that husky 
Hey, he would be shopping in the Husky section at Sears if he was getting, like, corduroys. <laughs> but, I mean, who's judging that? Washington. So let's be clear here. I'm over on the Giants. Matt's over. You're under. Yes. Okay, moving on. We got the Washington football team. Don't say the R word. Second worst season win. Five wins over 120. I like over five wins. Oh, I'm surprised. Two reasons. Haskins. RJ likes over. Haskins. I listened to RJ. Uh And RJ we trust. Yeah. Um, Haskins' last two games, small sample size. Haskins was bad last year, but he certainly improved, especially in the last two games of the year. And further, I think Washington's one of the COVID teams. Now, hold on a second. You were on Denver. What was your pick on Denver? Over. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. So Washington, brand new head coach. So that is a concern with COVID. But I got to tell you, if there's one NFL stadium that absolutely gets no support other than the Chargers, it's the Redskins. They get booed like crazy. So the fact limited crowds. You're saying that the the limited or no crowd, we know what Washington is going to do? One second, I've got. I to, thought I heard them say early they were going to have none. I just have, I just have week one, and you're correct. Washington, no fans early. So Washington, no fans at home. That's no big deal. They don't really have any fans net. Maybe they, gets rid of a problem. Yes, and when they go on the road, now they're not facing the hostile crowds that they typically face. Mm. Advantage Washington. So Matt, you opened up my mind with the idea that maybe home field advantage is just as big. Not because it is, but because there's such a disadvantage of having to travel. Maybe reiterate that. And I think Washington would be a team just organizationally. Just I know with Rivera, it's an improvement. But they seem like the kind of team that's going to struggle with this kind of operational challenge. And, and look, the, the fluid COVID situation changes every day. But as someone who's been on eight flights already since COVID, I have to take another one this upcoming week. And I know that all their flights are chartered. Their hotels are chartered. It's a different experience. Even on a chartered flight, they'll have to be masks on the entire time. That affects some players' ability to sleep who normally, normally sleep on flights because you can't sleep or you don't breathe the same with the mask on. The same amenities at the hotel. So, okay, you're at the ho- same hotel as normal for the team the ability to get different types of food and different types of situations, go have a drink, go to this special gym I used to go to. The amenities aren't the same. Life and traveling with COVID is a much more anxiety-filled situation than it used to be prior to COVID. It's just not comfortable traveling a lot of times. And I think because of that, away teams are still going to face some challenges and some anxieties that they didn't uh, prior to COVID. And would you agree that in general, if you said, okay, how suited is this team to handle this operational challenge? Let's say playing in Mexico City, for example. Would you say there's a correlation between your answer to that question and how much of a negative you think being on the road will be during this COVID era? Historically, Washington does not handle these type of challenges well. And on top of all that, I worry about a coach who's obviously high risk. He just came out in the minute he had cancer. How much of a distraction is that going to be for the Washington football coach to deal with? Now, he says, Rivera says, I'm ready. I'm going to fight it. I'm ready to go through it. You can't help but these things become a distraction. The players know it. 
it's a lot to deal with for a team that historically hasn't dealt with things well. Now, do we know the whole story on when he was diagnosed and was it something he just didn't reveal until recently or did he discover recently? What do we do we know that story? I know it came out, you know, he admitted it recently and said he doesn't plan on having to leave and I don't think all the details or at least I don't have all of them. Um, no, no, that's fine. But my I mother, they caught, they caught it very early yeah. is what they Look, said. My mother is a breast long. cancer survivor and I was very close to her when she went through it. And I thought she handled it wonderfully going through chemo the days after she would say it was like the worst day of her life after going through it every time. And it, it, there just are going to be distractions, whether you think there are or not, no matter how tough you are, no matter how convinced you're going to beat it, you are. And, and look, all my prayers and wishes that he does beat it, and he's probably as well-equipped to do so as anybody, but it's the idea that it's not going to be a distraction at a time during a pandemic is just, I think that's a little naive. And listen, I don't want to use the same terminology, but I think it bears kind of making the distinction that even though Sam Darnold is a survivor mono, <laughs> not the same thing. No. I mean, as bad as mono can be... <laughs> All right, so your pick on Washington is? I still think at that low of an under, uh, that I, I mean, that that low Hold of a total. Hold on a second. Of, What's your sheet of paper say? Seems like you're double talking here. Like you're trying to avoid going heads up with Fez. What's it say? I got a P next to right. for a pass. All right. Well, Fez, I got the over too, shockingly. I, I, I just don't think, I think that it was a, how many games did Washington win last year? Three. Is that it? Boy, they had some close games at the end, didn't they? Uh, you know, I'm thinking about they the, got blown out. No, a lot. no. Remember the Eagles game? They I mean, led. No, no. They led the, the they week almost 15. beat Green Bay. They led the yeah, they led and 15 to 10, right? And they led the Eagles with 30 seconds left, and somehow they lost that game by 10 yeah, points. I got the over. asterisk. Yeah, well, all right. We got three divisions to go. Next up, the Vikings. The Vikings are the favorite in the NFC. North plus 160, Packers right behind them plus 190, Bears four to one, Lions everyone's darling five to one. They were what nine to one to win the division at one point, right? Yes. All right, so Fez, we're starting with the Vikings, and right now the Vikings over under is nine flat. I'm gonna go under the nine. All about the missing pieces on defense, cluster missing pieces on defense, defensive line. They lose three guys. They lose Griffin. He's awesome. They lose. Now, did they lose him or did they let him go? Mm. They let him go to Dallas. I mean, what I'm saying is he was on the market for quite a while. Yeah. So how, how would you rate Zimmer as a coach? My fourth best coach. Very high. Who's the three ahead of him? I, Belichick I and I knew him. you were going to ask that. Well, perfect. Coaches. Belichick, Andy Reid, and Sean Payton. Uh, I can see that. All right. Yeah. Okay. Sean Payton wasn't that good. I Meaning he's always been talented. You know, he was a Parcells guy. Decide, but lately, I mean, you really look. We talk about how narratives change. I mean, the Saints could have won. I mean, it would have been a long shot, but they could have won two Super Bowls in the last. You know, they were certainly a top three or four team almost every year. The oh, last. they were a contender the last three years. There's no question. And I'm talking like first tier contend yeah look at the look at the rams loss i mean yeah okay so continue and losses at cornerback too so they've got they lost three got key guys at cornerback 
And at some point, you've got all these draft picks, 15 guys that are going to come in in a COVID year. It's going to take some time for these. So they had extra draft picks. Yes. But most of those were, if I'm not mistaken, were like fifth round lottery type picks, right? Fifth, sixth, seventh round. Uh, I think you're right, but I think that I think they had six picks in the first four rounds. So you're right. More of it was on the back end. Uh, but the bottom line is at some point, you know what? You get all those guys missing on defense. It's got to take a toll on a team that historically has cut, you know, yeah. been successful due to their defense. Remember, if you look at since Zimmer entered the league, he has the best ATS record, better than Belichick, better than anyone. But here's what's interesting. Minnesota is not a very football sexy team. You got a quarterback that people don't like mm. and you lose a, a key playmaker to the Bills. So now it's like, huh, that's a, you know, what? the second, third most known guy on the team. So on one hand, it feels like the losses are obvious, but if you actually said by point value, the losses by the lesser named players are even bigger. Yes, and the Diggs loss, absolutely. And thus, to me, it feels like that for the same reason that Minnesota has been undervalued and thus have the best ATS record as a team, the lack of football sexiness means the losses that don't get attention either are bigger than they seem. Yes. And thus, personally, I pass because I can't bet under Zimmer. He's too good, but I don't want to bet over. So as Steve Fezzik has taught us, you pass. Make your pick official? Official under nine. Under Zimmer. Oh. He kind of stole my thunder a little bit too. I like under nine. And look, mm. pro football focus in this case said it's a potentially franchise-defining draft for the Minnesota Vikings with Justin Jefferson, Cameron Dantzler, Jeff Gladney, and Ezra Cleveland, four players who they project to all be impactful starters. But again, we talk about the losses. Stefan Diggs, Everson Griffin, Mackenzie Alexander, J. Ron Kurse, Xavier Rhodes, they just lost so much. And those new guys may become great players in three years, but I don't know that they'll be great this year. For that reason, too many losses in a division with teams like Detroit, who we all think are moving on up, that I have to go <laughs> under nine with the Minnesota Vikings. Did you just do the Jefferson theme Oh, I theme threw song? it in you there, did. baby. I mean, it's like <laughs> it was so fast. If you blinked your ears, you missed it. I mean, all right, you guys, let's listen up. You gotta listen when Matty Holtz rattling off those names. It kind of like at the end of Rambo, or not at the end. Remember what? <laughs> at the end of Rambo. <laughs> no, actually, I have that sound for us here. It's one of my favorites. Bear with me a second. So, any closing thoughts, Vez? No, we got it. Oh, you add, you're like producing the show live now, huh? <laughs> it's like, eh, that's it. So explain to us how the conversation went with the missus as I'm getting this. T today's one of her birthdays. Yeah, it's my wife's birthday, so she was on Labor Day. She was very and, and you're oh go ahead. She was very supportive, happy that uh, we're taping during the day. And so so here's the part I was a little confused by. We had the set for eleven mm -hmm. local. Then all of a sudden I'm getting emails. Fez wants it to be noon. So you thought the whole world. Now what was the scenario? The scenario, I'm going to throw poor McKenzie under the bus here. Mm -hmm. McKenzie texted me, and he says, so, 12 o'clock today. And I was like, 12 o'clock? Check with RJ, see what's going on. Am I correct, and then, McKenzie? And then, and then they said, Fez says noon. McKenzie? Yeah, it was, it was a miscommunication. We went mm. back and forth trying to figure out if we had a confirmed time. 
It was on me. I typed in 12 just by typo. Why would you say noon? Oh, another typo. Yep. Slip of the finger. I said 1-2 instead of 1-1. I'm confused about all of this. Somehow I said 11 and, you know. Luckily, I I just got the email from you. Yeah. I mean, we keep it simple here. Now, it's not like I was here at 11, but I was here as close to 11. Always 11. It was always 11. Always 11. I was here about the time you'd expect. So, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what more can you do? All right. Let's hear what Rambo has to say, and we'll keep moving. You know. If what you're saying is true, Steve, that's about as good as we can hope for. Covey leader to identify Baker team. Rambo, Mesner, Ortega, Coletta, Jorgensen, Danforth, Barry, Krakauer. Confirmed. So, like Fez taught us, pass. Now we got the Packers. Wow, this is fascinating. So plus 160 on the Vikings, plus 190 on the Pack. Four to one Bears, five to one Lions. Packers, though, let me think, Fez. You're going to tell us about their wins and how it was off. What's the number on the Packers? Packers are, look at him trying to like get the attention away from him. Packers are nine under 120. Well, I'm fearful. I'm going under. Mm-hmm. I'm fearful. I know where you're going. You're going to say I'm directionally right, but the market is fully aware of the fact that, hey, so Green Bay won 13 games. The market knows they weren't supposed to win 13 games. If you look at the YPP. I like that I'm fading you and you don't look like it. Uh, you don't feel like it's an opportunity. It scares you. It's uh, You see me sweat. It's almost here. like it's, Mackenzie breathing. The air's on. The fan's going. And I'm just <laughs> I'm just sweating away here uh, because it's true. You look at the Packers. They're 6-1, and one, right, in close games. So if they win three and a half of those games, all right. Now they win nine and a half. They still win more than nine. And they're essentially the same team. They certainly didn't get any better. They still have Jones. They still have Adams. Two really good skill position players. They didn't add to it at all. My handicap is that I think Rodgers is not going to be happy about the fact that they traded up to get Jordan Love instead of getting Not going to be happy. He's unhappy. They traded up instead of giving him a number two wide receiver. They brought in his heir apparent, maybe, in Jordan Love. And that that's a huge negative. And that's really my handicap here. Packers under nine wins. What was your handicap? Aaron Rodgers. Is mad. Is unhappy. He's going to sabotage the season. I just think it's going to be a – it has the potential for the locker room between the coaching and Aaron Rodgers to um, be a bad situation. See, guys, this is why we don't do force picks. I mean, that's a horrible handicap. He's going to be mad. Because couldn't you say equally so that he's going to, like, show them? I've heard that more. I've heard the chip on, on yeah, the shoulder and yeah. everything. But I think that's kind of like a Brett Favre type of thing, that Brett Favre would do this. Aaron Rodgers. But is, apparently Aaron Rodgers is how cool, wimpy. Yeah, wimpy. Wimpy. I mean, do you know how tough it is to play quarterback <laughs> fair, in the NFL? Fair enough. And he's played plenty of times injured. You ever, let me ask you a question. Have you ever stood beside, like, a six six lineman? I mean, they look like they're a different, like they could pick you up and spin you like a top and set you back down. And Rodgers isn't that big. I mean, he's not wimpy, right? And if anything, and Matt, transition to you here, by the way, Fez on the under because Brett Rodgers is mad. (laughs) Or wait, Brett Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. Oh, that would be a good quarterback. (laughs) At least throw some interceptions and take some risks. But because Aaron Rodgers is mad. Under. Oh, wouldn't it be funny if we had like a three-second handicap? Rogers Matt under. Where you got Matt? 
I actually like Green Bay over. Ooh. So, again, if, if you're taking every team in the conference under and you already took Minnesota under, at some point you're probably going to be wrong, right? It, it, it takes away from your percentage to all of them would be right. What I like about Green Bay is Aaron Jones last year, according to Pro Football Focus, had the number four rushing grade in the NFL, 87.7, and was tied for fifth in the percentage of rus- rushes that resulted in either a first down or a touchdown. 25.4% of his rushes were either for a first down or for a touchdown, and they went out and drafted a running back in the second round. This is a team that has made their offensive philosophy known. We are going to pound the football. And despite the fact that Aaron Rodgers might not look as good doing that, they won 13 games doing it last year, even if they shouldn't have won every one of them. I like the fact that they have an identity. People don't normally associate with that identity because how can you run the football if you have Aaron Rodgers? Because this coach believes it's what's best for this football team to win games. Again, you said it. The same team that won 13 games has the same personnel. Their numbers weren't great, but they got great where they want to be. They got better where they want to be, which is in the ground game. I actually think this team's probably going to win 9 to 11 games. I'm going to go over on the Green Bay Packers. And I also... A victim of the infamous Malachi Crunch. Over. Here's what I don't quickly like about it, because Matt was talking, something struck me. Three losses in a row, which I'm always afraid of. I, I do worry it could. I mean, Rodgers were burnt down on the way out of town. That's why I don't love it. But to me, once again, we're assuming that we don't under. Listen, QBR says what it says. Do we really understand how much an interception is worth? And again, you know, negative, obviously. And intercept the ball at the 50-yard line versus in the other territory versus in your own. Do we really know how to rate that? What we know is Aaron, you know, Green Bay last year had a much better record than the stats say they should have. And you have one of the most veteran quarterbacks in the NFL. The idea that that's completely unrelated, that all it takes is, I think the truth is usually going to be two-thirds towards the stats. I think there's a third that either we got the stats wrong or what, and thus, you know, let's look at this number one last time. If the number is nine under 20, how has Green Bay done this year to last year? Like what would be the point? They lost what, Balaga? Yes. It's a loss. Mm-hmm. How net net, how do you, you know, grade Green Bay uh, season to season? Aaron Rodgers isn't old enough yet to think there's going to be a big drop because of that. They, they dropped because they didn't add anything. And when a team doesn't add well, anything. that doesn't make sense. Yeah, but Belaga missed half the games the last three years because he was hurt. Yeah, They're but still, used to playing still with still a really elite guy. I mean, what I'm saying is we're, we're starting to talk about quarter wins or eight. Yeah. Is, yeah. But, but I don't agree with that if you don't get. I mean, so Kansas City must be bad then this year. They didn't gain because any. they didn't bring. But no, they bring in Clyde. Oh, Clyde oh come on! So they, oh, come on! That's a bad. That's an upgrade no. of running back. I mean, hold on. Well, the Packers hold, brought hold, in hold, AJ hold on, hold on, hold on. Because you say come on now, it doesn't mean you're right. Fair enough. Is if if uh, what was it? What's the name? of The guy that opted out for Kansas City? Damian Williams. Yeah, okay. Damian yeah. Williams. All right. So really, an unproven rookie. That, that could have went potentially in the third round. I mean, it wasn't like that. this was a dropping. This was like, oh, he'll fit into Kansas City. We don't know. 
if you're old and you're getting older, you're right. If you stay still, as Dylan would say, not being busy born is being dying or is busy dying. I don't know if Green Bay's old. If anything, you could make the case that the Smith brothers and all of the defensive um, injection of new blood last year is going to be the second year in this defense. They're going to be more, more cohesion. So I think it's fair to say it was about the same team. Mm-hmm. Does that sound right? Yes. Okay. So how many games do you think they were supposed to win? Nine and a half. Okay. So it's nine, right? Yeah. Under. So why why under? That's what I, I can get not loving the over, but why under? You know, you I, see, my point is, yes. is directionally you're right. It just it feels like Dallas just went and assumed everything was exactly right. Maybe I'm biased when I look at all these advanced stats on Aaron oh, Rodgers and they're mediocre, it? you know, that that and I hear in the media that, oh, Rodgers is great. But you know what? Vegas doesn't think Rodgers is great. And maybe you're right directionally. Well, when does Ve- well Vegas doesn't think Green Bay is great. Yes. All right. Uh, any closing thoughts, Matt? No. I-, I agree that this team pretty much stayed the same. I think everyone, not, not. consensusly in football, everybody believes that they shouldn't have won 13. But to say that they should have won, like, I, I think I- 10 is the lowest yeah. you can go. So that, I think it's an overreaction. Sometimes a narrative sweeps across the gaming mm-hmm. industry, and that narrative, to your point, is smart. Yes, Green Bay shouldn't have won 13 mm-hmm. games. We all so agree. Go, I'll go under 11 and a half. 100%. Me, but, yeah. but when you overdo that mm-hmm. narrative, it, it goes too far. And in this case, I think it went too far. Well, listen, next Labor Day, if maybe I'll bring a spread in off of Fez's, <laughs> and, and, and he'll be eating it thinking, you know, I'm not. And then what I'll do is go the other. See, Zig and, you know, I like to zig and zag on him. <laughs> and you know what's funny? He's been strong. To, I mean, good performance, just a few holes in the game. So, I don't know. I might have to retire when he gets all those holes straight, you know, covers them up. And then that, where, where's the money going to come from? Well, I guess if you improve as a cap or even beyond your, and I'll say it, greatness now, I guess the money will come that way. So I'll be all right. Don't worry about me, Fez. You cover those you holes. You know, I'm just staying wait, awake late at night worrying about you. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Next game, the Bears. Now, this is one of the three I think that my take is going to be contrary. Bears right now, eight, so 500 team, but under 120. I like under eight for the Bears, Mm -hmm. and it's all about that eight wins they won last year. Should the Bears have won eight? Absolutely not because of three games. They went 2-0 against Detroit. They played two close games against Detroit. And they got to play against Driscoll and Blau, the backup Detroit quarterbacks, and they won them both. If Stafford was around, the Bears only go one and one of those games at best. And the oh, Bears at best, but let's say minus one win. See, so you you just minus keep one. Going. You're right. Just you're keep right. going. Minus one win. And then they played Week 17 at the Vikings. That's a very likely loss if the Vikings were playing their A game. But the Vikings. But what's the stats say? Because if they had won six and you like the over, you'd be like. Well, if you look at the YPP, what's the YPP say? Not good. Four point mm-hmm. seven yards per play on offense, mm-hmm. five point one on defense. So minus point minus four. point four. So a little bit below average team. Mm-hmm. And the, remember, these three games against Detroit and Minnesota are in those stats. That's three sixteenths of their stats. That's significant that they got three depleted teams in those sixteen game schedule. Well, I mean, I, I, I guess their defense gets a little worse, but. It's yeah. just when there's 16 games, I don't understand how you can do this and not then look at every game. 
It's like you are going through saying, trust the stats, trust whatever, until I tell you not to. Well, and I get to case, arbitrarily. you got three extreme games, though, uh, to, to say their defense is good, but not the elite defense everyone's making them out to be. So and, under, and, and, and Foles is not a potential upgrade. To have Because here's the thing. With with MVP Mitch, who's the back? Meaning, there there might not be a bottom there in a bad year. Foles, I, we can debate when he's good, and I'm not even sure when that is, right? Because again, he won a Super Bowl and he he quarterbacked every game. Uh, it's not like he won, you know, hot set what was with it? really impressive numbers. Yeah, I mean, yeah. one of the five or seven best. Super Bowl was ever yeah. a quarterback. Trubisky never is at that level at, in the Super Bowl. Now, has Foles gotten worse? Is it, How old is he? He's not so old. Not that old. He's, so I'm not sure. I think COVID hurts Foles. So That's probably why part of the reason Trubisky's starting week one. That got, just got announced. How My last question would be, and I'm going over, and this is a con oh. yeah, it's a contract. I you got both of us. Yeah. So why don't you give your take? And I'll, oh, so you're up with Fest. Yeah. Yeah. Four point seven yards per play, second worst in the entire NFL for a guy who's down with YPP only. So the Trubisky falls. Let's say after week five or six, you know, meaning more time to get acclimated with the offense, kind of compensate for the lack of preseason. You don't think Foles is an upgrade? Potentially. Even if he's a tiny upgrade at that point, you're replacing again, you're replacing Trubitsky because you're one in four and you're already in the hole. And I, I and I don't okay. know that they have the weapons around them. Four point seven yards per play. Something's broken there. Maybe it's Mitch Trubisky, but they're going to stick with them because that draft was loaded with big money quarterbacks that are getting huge contracts. Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, and who went before any of them? Mitchell Trubisky. And the Bears are too proud. They didn't pick up his fifth year option. Yeah, too proud in a time to where everyone else is, you know, pulling in all pro quarterbacks in the same draft to say that they swung and missed and struck out. So they're going to keep going with it. Mm. And those numbers are but bad. They, they were one-tenth of one yard better than the New York Jets. So let's, with all the quarterback problems there. So let's agree to the following is Mitch is probably not on the Bears next year. But I would say from the end of last year till now, the Bears have taken responsibility, meaning paying, you know, trading for and paying real money for foals, not picking up the fifth-year option, which means unless he has a hell of a year, Trubisky will be gone. It feels like they're in a position by week six. Uh, here's the question. Could they go two and three, but Mitch looks so bad, they, they make the change, and that's not in the hole. That's a hope. Or is it possible he has two bad games and he's gone after two mm -hmm. weeks? If I knew Trubisky was going to, let's say, Fol if I knew Foles was getting hurt. If you knew Foles practice, could start 14 of the 16. Yeah, yeah, I love the over. And if I know Trubisky starts 14, I love the under. So what does cause me a little concern is I felt like the Andy Reid connection with the head coach has everyone believing, and Colin's been at the forefront of this, that how good, you know, oh, look at the way he scripts the plays for Trubisky. 
I'm not sure. The thing that causes me to doubt my own, again, forced pick here out of what, 27 of the 32, five passes. Fez hasn't been passed. Let's give him credit in the NFC. He better not. <laughs> he true. used them up. Automatic loss. <laughs> is how good is Nagy? I'm not sure he's – I think he's a good offensive coordinator. I don't know if he's yeah. a good head coach. Scripts the plays nicely pre-flop before the game starts. Yeah, and I'm not saying I know enough to know, meaning that you got to be almost as good as them to really understand it. But if he's – this might be a referendum on the head coach because can he transition at the right time to foes, et cetera. I don't love it, but all things equal, I like going against the herd. And not calling in this case, but the herd of people, anti-bears. And I don't think they play a team with an, a season win total under eight until December. Well, that might help us I mean, where they can start maybe one and two. Think about the schedule. At Detroit, oh, Giants, they do. The Giants, then Colts, Buccaneers, oh, at Carolina. I guess they got a couple. At Carolina, which I think could be tough for them. But at Rams, Saints, at Titans, Vikings, at Packers, I mean... I could see the it's it start to snowball on them on the losses just start piling up. Now, as we transition, do you need any theme music when we talk about the Detroit Lions? No, Not, but obviously I'm over on Detroit. But I just assume everybody is at that price. <laughs> Let's let Matt begin. The Lions seven under one ten, so literally more towards the under than the over at seven wins. Lines though five to one, five to one to win the division. This is an inefficient market. One team has seven wins, the Lions under, and then the Bears are eight under. So one full win, but it's five to one versus four to one to win the division. Yeah, and and those teams play each other, and the Lions are laying three against the Bears week one. Think about that. Well, that shows you that Mitch isn't expected to start yes. the whole year. Yes. Uh-huh. Get rid of him. Oh, boy, you'll be upset if, if the Bears beat the Lions here. Yeah. And by the way, I didn't tease this the whole show. I promised my prop better the century. Mm-hmm. Yes. Coming up with this team. Go ahead, Matty. I think Matt Patricia finally has this team tracking in the right direction. And had Matthew Stafford not got hurt last year, we would have saw that dramatic improvement show up in the win total as well. But Stafford did get hurt, so it is what it is. But I love the additions when people address their exact holes in the offseason. So what was the hole for the Detroit Lions? It was that secondary. Desmond Trufant, two years, 21 million. J. Ron Curse. They signed the uh, Jamie Collins, the linebacker formerly of the New England Patriots, and they went and spent $50 million on a new tackle, Vitae, for Matthew Stafford. And what was part of the problem with the Detroit Lions? They couldn't run. And also a huge pick, third pick in the draft, Ohio State's cornerback. That's right. So, I mean, they really did address that secondary issue, shored up that offensive line. You know, they got DeAndre Swift, the running back from Georgia, to help carry on Johnson because they've had a lack of, of uh, running back depth in the backfield, and they have good wide receivers. So Diggs, the safety, got traded to Seattle, right? And then Slay. Slay played 14 games cornerback for Detroit. Yeah, so the theory is they've probably upgraded, even though they've lost some talent in the secondary, with that big draft choice, third pick, probably upgraded the secondary. I think, and this is segueing into my bet, and we'll get a confirmed current price on it. 
if you look at the stats and quarterbacks and stats go together, is uh, now some people say Matt Stat Packer or some variation of that, but the reality is he played about half the snaps, or almost perfectly half the snaps for the season. And if you double all his numbers, I mean, maybe McKenzie can pop that baby up. Is give me his season numbers, maybe double them and, and type them up there. Is he would have been potentially the fourth or fifth MVP vote. Like it would have sure. been like one of the five most valuable players in football. And you know what? Last year was a challenge before his injuries. His wife with a severe life-threatening medical, you know, cancer condition. You got that going on and you're fighting some injuries yourself for the first time because if you look at his games played, it's 16, 16, 16. So, yeah, maybe he's at the age, Stafford, that you can say, well, he's going to start getting injured. I don't think we've seen that as a trend yet. So, to me, the bet is, and Cam is running interference on this, is comeback player of the year. He would have thrown for 4,998 yards and 38 touchdowns last year. And not 30 interceptions. He had 2,500. Yeah, not 30 interceptions. So, if you, if you look at his pro-rate stats, QBR 70, which would have, if I recall, would have been like fourth or fifth, 5,000 yards, 38 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, yards per attempt, 8.6. As Chevy Chase didn't say good, he said not good and Caddyshack, but good. And you know what? You got the cancer story. We got cancer on our side finally in this case. She beat it, you know, my understanding. Yep. And he had this COVID scare, and then the wife saying we're getting abused. Now, listen, if Cam, they go 11 win, Cam's going to win it. But who else is real? Like, Big Ben. Yeah. Big Ben's not a popular person. Mm. If, Sta- if, if Stafford and Big Ben All have right. the same year, Stafford wins. This is mm-hmm. a kind of a feel-good story, the comeback player of the year. Yeah, that's a good handicap. And I saw it, and again, I've been, I don't think I've given this out on SOV, but I've been talking about this, waiting for the right time to give it out because I wanted Cam to keep, and Mackenzie, you can get the updated number for me. Seven to one is what I saw. So we'll see where it's at now. But it's what do you think of that at seven to one? I think it's pretty good value. I think there's probably, you know, who are the people that can even win it? Cam, Stafford, uh, Leonard Fournette. You know, there's not that many that can. Well, Fournette had a hell of a year last year. It's hard for him to be the comeback. He, best year yeah. of his career, yeah. right? Maybe yeah, it might be a big middle finger to Jacksonville, but yeah. And again, there might be other people, but what I'm saying is I think Stafford should be the second favorite. He should probably be the favorite. Yeah, I yeah. think so. And it's seven, you know, and you bring you, up a great point. He doesn't need to win this contest. He needs to tie it, come close. Or at least a cam probably gets it. If he yeah. ties seven to one's a consensus right now. And think about this. I was right to wait on, cam to take some money it's just detroit's gotten so much love this would have naturally came down if only detroit didn't get this now but it helps us we get the same price we would have had six weeks ago but if all of a sudden detroit does win this division doesn't it get easier to give stafford the player oh, or the sure. comeback player of the year gosh and if they win the division how does he not win this so think about this why yeah. bet the division at five to one when you can bet this and they could finish in wild card and when you oh, could win. I seems like the much seven and nine. If seems like a, the much better bet than the division bet. If it was a monster stat season, so 
Bez, we'll, we'll put a nice little chunk in on this, I think, if you want. But I like it. I mean, I'm not sure what the counterpoint. I mean, it's, if it was, you know, 50-50, no, not at plus 100, but at 7-1? to one? I agree. What do you think, man? You're pretty impressed? Yeah, that's a good one. All right. That's, that's dreamworthy. What do you got? I got Detroit over seven. Uh, we talked about it. You know, you're talking about with Watson. You got a top quarterback. Hey, you win seven or more games. No, well, Stafford's never been that guy. Yes. Somehow he he's borderline. Well, look, go look at their wins. How many times haven't they <laughs> won eight games? Most of the time, Detroit was a full year of Stafford. They've done well. First though. of all, they've only, he's only not had a full year once yeah. last year. So yeah. let, let's read off the number of wins. We're saying the Lions have been winning eight or more games. No, seven or more. Yes, they have been. Not the last <laughs> I mean, two years. We don't have to debate this. Pull yep. up their record. Mackenzie, pull that up. Go ahead. Keep going. All right. And the fact that Driscoll. I mean, if you don't have anything else, we can keep going. Well, no, Driscoll and Blau were just so bad the last eight games. And the Lions played 12 close games. And. Even even with those horrible quarterbacks, they should have won. If they won half their close games, they win six. If you could win six with Driscoll and Blau for half the year, you can certainly win seven when you got Matthew Stafford yeah. for 16 I games. agree. I also think if if Patricia either has found a way to uh, use a pencil on laminated paper, then all problems are solved. Or they're overlooking it because it seems like the team's together. When there was the, the – um, social justice protests around the NBA players. The Lions seem to really be together as a team. Skip practice, yeah. I mean, and Patricia was right there in the mix. That's good point. So 2019, three wins, six wins in 18, nine wins in 17, nine wins in 16, seven wins in 15, 11 and 14, seven and 13, and four Oh, wait, I'm sorry, 7, and then 4 and 12, 10 and 6. Boy, the Lions have been I, I, that's better more, than you think, right? I, I mean, I don't know. Have they even made the playoffs? <laughs> I, I guess this is back to when, you know, the stoic coach got, Caldwell got fired after three decent years or whatever it was. Yeah, and Schwartz, who's – people love Schwartz. They think he was underrated. Yeah. Patricia, actually, you look at it, it makes Patricia look really bad. Or and and also Matt Holt, who's been, I mean, you look at it, the two worst years is when Matt's been talking to the world about how great the lines are. Yeah, it's been ugly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so my pick, comeback player of the year. If that one comes in, there might have to be some, you know, like baked ham and exotic cheeses sent to the pregame offices out there, guys. Two divisions to go. Here we go. Saints and the Bucks battling at the top of the NFC South. Falcons, we got to ask that question. What the heck did their defense, how did they step up so much last year? And the Panthers, a team I love over the next 10 years, but not this year. Let's start with the Saints. The fourth highest win total, 10 and a half under 110. Going under, and it's all about Drew Brees being 41. And I can't help but think the fact he got to miss five games last year really helped him because Brees was really good yeah, in December. Yeah, when you get your hand almost amputated and have to sew it back together, that lends itself to better play. Well, not having to go through a full season, I think, absolutely contributed to him being so good in December. So he should get a hammer and whack himself in the hand, and you would, <laughs> if he did that now, you'd upgrade. Going to have to learn to throw it left-handed. Exactly right. But I think a year older, I really can see Breeze certainly now, that age similar because. 
I was going to spend the money to have us go back to the seven years that you've been saying Tom Brady's, this is the year. Exactly. Because exactly, but you were wrong pretty much six straight years. But then I got last year right. Did you? Yeah. I mean, Did you? Yeah, come on. I mean, he leads, the, he leads the team with no playmakers to 12 and 4. you got to, you got to look at his results, not the team. No, results, do you? So. Really? Well, that I seems guess to be that's different. a good point because we are betting on the team, not on Breeze. Continue. Pursuant to that, I'm going to throw in a prop bet here. I do love Breeze under 4,000 pass yards because— So it's 4,000 even? Yeah. Okay. Because look at the backup quarterbacks. Jameis Winston may get some playing time. Taysom Hill certainly going to get some plays scripted. And Breeze already is thinking about his broadcasting career No, next whoa, 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 whoa. So you're saying what? He's thinking about his broadcasting career, so that means what? That he— Stands on the sidelines and talks into his fist. I mean, what are you talking? <laughs> I I just can see this. <laughs> hey, you guys, let Winston go in. I'm going to practice. <laughs> Here we are. Are you like doing a Howard Cosell imitation? I think I see this as a year with lots of challenges for Drew Brees, especially with this whole stance on hey, the anthem and the like. Never hears this. He might and, give up and on his, it. And his relationship like, that guy's with his teammates and the like. I can I can see him getting fewer passes and fewer reps this year than ever. So you before. think Sean Payton's going to say, "Huh, you said that thing about the flag back in April? You sit out this fourth quarter." No, what, what, actually, I can see him in blowouts. I can see him. But doesn't that go against how he's so old that the accumulated problems of the season are going to be a problem? They're still going to have games that are up twenty-one in the fourth quarter. You realize what you're saying is going in eight different directions and it's not coordinated at all. Here's the amazing part of Drew Brees. And it really is amazing. In fact, I did the work on this. I haven't sent out the tweet yet. Maddie, so I'm not even, well, first of all, I disagree with you. I got the over. All that said, I'm not sure I disagree too much with the general point. It's just, I think you, again, went so far and until like it's like you keep looking at me to see if I grimace and then you stop. Mm. It's like maybe stop when I'm smiling. Like making me grimace every time isn't necessarily it might make good, you know, podcasts, but not good for me. What do you got, Matt? I passed here. Uh I think there's some real question marks around Drew Brees' arm strength and ability to throw the football down the field, which we saw at the end of last year, and we saw it in the playoff game. He really couldn't throw the football downfield against the Minnesota Vikings. But then I go back through and I look at tennis, New Orleans numbers. Granted, Teddy Bridgewater was there for five starts, 5.9 yards per play. You know, fifth best on the offensive side of the ball. I look at the defensive side of the ball and they're 11th best. They had a backup quarterback for five games and were the fifth best offense. And we're talking about how bad the quarterback is. I'm worried about his I, I just think there's question marks. And for me, I actually think this is a really competitive division. Yeah, I agree. Wouldn't you so, say, is, could the case be made the Saints have the best roster in football other than quarterback? I mean, if you if you were making up that, if you were making that list. 49ers. 49ers, maybe. And Saints right there. Yeah. Saints, Ravens. Outside of quarterback. Bills. Yeah. Bills have to be there outside oh, of quarterback. Oh, that's a good call. Yeah, yeah so, you know, what I'm saying is one of the five or six best teams. Yeah. Sure. Right? And now we're saying, oh, outside of quarterback. Well, I mean, consider this. This is going to be like a OMG. So I said, let's take the last two years and let's look at QBR. Let's keep it simple. And let's take the average of the two years. So here's the average rank of QBR leaders 
last two years. Patrick Mahomes, number one, his average rank was one and a half. Drew Brees, number two, his average rank was two and a half. Oh, Russell Wilson. Oh, Russell. Ah, eh, eh. (laughs) Eight. So one and a half, two and a half, and the third best quarterback in all of football had an average of eight. Watson average of 10. Prescott, 10 and a half. Carson Wentz, 11 and a half. Matt Ryan, 11 and a half. Tom Brady, 11 and a half. Winston, 12. Cousins, 13 and a half. Stafford, 14. Okay. Another way to look at this, and last way, bad year rank. What was the, just two years, what was your worst year, right? Mahomes, two. Breeze, three. Russell Wilson, 11. So no other quarterback could be better than 11 two straight years, but Drew Brees is three or better. So he's top three, and no one else makes top 10. No one else makes top 11 other than Mahomes. The the best quarterback of all time, apparently now. So in in this uh, this noodle arm of his, I don't know if it was just in this offseason it got worse, but this was last year that everyone said he can't throw deep. Colin says the same thing. Maybe it's it's maybe it's that uh, Peyton is such a genius he can just. But then why was Breeze's number so much better than Bridgewater's? I, I got a feeling, you know, one of the hardest things to determine is deterioration. I agree. I agree. So trying to gauge it. But you do remember, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but that Monday night game where he was like 30 of 31 was like the 15th game of the year. He, he was great in December across the board. So when the deterioration was, I mean, that's what I'm saying is I've heard, and Matt, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I've heard this before, and it's, it just seems to run in the, not from you, in the face of that he was better in this. In fact, uh, as Matt continues, Mackenzie, give me the month-by-month average just per game prorated of Breeze, and obviously he missed some weeks. Yeah, part of it is, I mean, that's why I passed. Because trying to gauge deterioration on a 40-plus-year-old player is very— Because at some point, they're not going to be able to physically do it anymore. And it usually happens fast. Yes. I agree with that. Yep. And maybe it's a good segue as we're getting those stats into Tampa Bay, who is second in the division. And the Bucks right now? Boy, this is crazy. So the Saints are 10 and a half— Smidge towards the under. The Bucks are nine and a half, a smidge or two towards the over. So they're saying the Saints are one game better. That's drastic. What you got? I got under nine and a half. Ooh. It's about Tom Brady. You said it. I've been talking about Brady's decline for you're gonna be right at some point. Ten years, and frankly. There was a big decline in his numbers last year. We talked about Q, we talked about QBR average seventeenth. If we talk about accuracy, Tom Brady completed sixty-one percent of his passes. But if you look at how many should he have completed on, on that stat, expected completions versus actual, Brady was thirty-second in the league last year. So he next gen stats. Next gen stats. The year before, twenty-fourth. So Brady, the last two years, he's been a below-average the, the Super Bowl winning year. Yes, he's been a below-average quarterback in terms of accuracy. And now he's a year older, and that's really my handicap, that uh, the markets are reacting to Brady moving Tampa Bay up. There's a lot I like about Tampa Bay other than Brady. Matt Holt. 
I, I like under as well. I mean, when you combine so many new pieces in the season, it's difficult. Again, continuity. You're bringing Gronk back in for nostalgia's sake. They had plenty of tight ends there that were really talented. I don't know that that was a good idea. I think, you know, sometimes you can get too cute or too. But, but wouldn't Gronk being there means that we're paying a premium? Because if he's a free roll, maybe it's just four completions at a certain key game. But I know it costs, what, $10 million, but it doesn't seem like they're having any cap problems. The ad for net. Goes back to you. You can overpay for a player. Yeah. And it still helps your And team, it hurts right? you next year, perhaps. Yeah. But it, it just feels like, to me, you, I agree with you. I don't know what. But if let's say Gronk doesn't play it down. Is Listen, I went under, too, because I just can't. There's, there's so much hype. It's just, as I look at it, the nine and a half, it's just like, where's the hype? I mean, they have the same as the Eagles. Yeah. Right? Are we really saying that Tampa Bay is not as good as the Eagles with their O-line problems? I think I think we all might have fallen, myself included, to the directional thing here. Mm. But it wasn't a game difference. When Tampa Bay and the Saints were right there, weren't Tampa they? Tampa Bay peaked at 10. Yeah, there was a time where the Saints were dropping. Uh-huh, 10.3 like to 10 or something. Yeah, the Saints exactly were like 10.18, and, and Tampa was like literally 10. They peaked at 10, and now money, despite Gronk, is coming against them. Or Fournette more so, because Gronk's been there for a while now. I mean, it was like a week after Brady. Yeah, Fournette helps them, you know. I think big. And, and here's the QBR for what it's worth with the Saints. Uh, okay, so month by month, he had two games in September, one game in October. So let's blend that, and it's about an average of 61, okay? November, four games, 61. December, 83. NFC Player of the Month. That would be the bet. That's when his arm was apparently – now, he did benefit from his hand almost being ripped off. But – and there is a point, too. Like, Brady had a good year when he had the four-game yeah. suspension when you're older – I, listen, Breeze is retiring at the end of the year pretty much is a secret that everyone knows. So, obviously, he thinks he's dropping. I mean, to some degree, he's saying it. But it's – I don't know. I the mean, numbers you, don't say it. Are you watching the tape? to Because I'm not. I'm saying are you – or are you watching the game saying, boy, it looks like he has a noodle arm? Well, I remember in the playoff game against Minnesota, they brought it up about how um, he was struggling to throw the ball more than 20 yards in the air. And I remember exactly in that Vikings game, which they lost in the playoffs, uh, he looked bad. Like, he couldn't. When he tried to throw it, it looked like a Phillip Rivers pass. And I went, hmm. <laughs> so, and, and and the difference between, I mean, guys that are always trying to one-up the other, it gets boring. So, I'll say this. If in a five-game period, four of them, he's the player of the month. I mean, of all of football, right? And the fifth one, he has a bad game. I per, and, and then you look at the last year and then two years that he's by far the second best quarterback. It's not even a debate statistically. If he's your problem, you might end up being right. But wouldn't we agree there's a lot of counter evidence? Sure. I just at 41 years old, I have a feeling yeah. that perhaps uh, that deterioration may come now. Do we do we look at one of these teams like the Falcons? And we can segue into this. Who you could make the case was what, a top eight team the second half of the year? 
Yeah, Falcons, and I like them over seven and a half. They start out the year one and seven. They're awful. So, I'm, did you get to finish your handicap? No, I'm fine. No, 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 yeah. please. Because uh, this has been more of a conversation, and we weren't as robust. So, finish the box, and then we'll go. You know, the Bucks were just close for me. I just, I don't like the Brady, the continuity issues. I, I The biggest bet I made on a season win total last year was Bucks over. And it barely got there. It was over six and a half. They won seven games. I love Jameis. He did lead the league in yards, which is something I thought he might do. But he also had 30 interceptions and, and cost him several games. So this was a team that I thought was on the rise last year. And now the only pieces you really moved in were, you know, they have a bad running back situation with Ronald Jones and Keyshawn Vaughn. That's a ugly. That might be the worst backfield in the NFL. Ronald it Jones, was. Keyshawn Vaughn. And now I don't know that adding a forty, you know, two-year-old quarterback and but Fournette obviously changes that, right? Uh, providing he knows all the plays and run, can run the whole playbook, you know, we're, mm -hmm. we're saying, hey, uh, Fournette's the the genius who's going to come in and learn the whole playbook in a week. No, I uh, I think Tampa. If we were talking about what is the high point of Tampa season, yeah, middle it, of the yeah, middle beyond, yeah. right? Yeah. So, but remember now the Saints. And, I mean, this is, like, almost incomprehensible. The first two games, I think it goes back now six years, they're, like, 2-10 ATS, 2-10 straight up. A team that's won, I mean, if you actually look, Mackenzie, do this for two, tomorrow, is I want the Saints during those years how they were in the first two games and how they were in the following 14 and then how they were in the playoffs. Because the first two games, they've been horrible. The playoffs, they've been fairly underperforming, you know, somewhat underperforming. That 14 in the middle, I bet they have the best record in the NFL. It's not even close. Yeah, and it's really amazing that a perennial contender can go 2-10 and 10 straight up the first two weeks of the year, right? Mackenzie, actually, you can do a greater than, less than in the database. So go for the whole league. If you don't know how to do it, I'll show you. Greater than or greater than or equal to week three, less than or equal to week 17, and we can actually compare them during these years, I bet they have the best record so far, like so far above even the Pats or whatever. So to me, if the Saints start slow and the Bucks start slow and the Bucks get better as in a COVID year that they gel, they could be two of the best teams, you know, the Saints and Bucks could be two of the best teams in football. Coming down the stretch. Yeah. So, continue. Under for me on the Bucks too. Yeah. I, it's the one I... Re I almost passed, but yeah, you know, I, lane. This one, and, you know, one other, I, w I just felt like even in the middle of this, I've been on the wrong side. Remember, Feds, we were going to make some gigantic bet on Saints Vision. to win the division, and they were almost the same odds. Boy, that's separated, hasn't it? Oh, we actually got something quick here. So looking of um, uh, greater than week two, less than. No, no. Oh, why are we not looking at 16 and 17? I can't hear you, bud. Oh, I just heard 14. So, yeah. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Go through and include 17, and, but make it equal to. Okay, good. All right. And then just uh, by straight up win, sort it. Or win percentage. So go over, hit that win. Yeah. Okay. Oh, God, the Patriots still. Remember, Patriots have been always better after September. So oh, yeah. Pay, this is from, okay, so 2015 on. Okay. 
So Patriots have won 77% of their games during that time. Saints second at 70%. Hmm. And then do the same thing. Just say last uh, week one or two. All right, so Fez, let's go with Atlanta. Okay, so I like Atlanta over seven and a half. You mentioned it. Middle of the year, Atlanta was. By the way, seven and a half over 110 by a smidge. Atlanta looked doomed. Quinn, their coach, looked doomed. They were one and seven. Their defense was absolute garbage. And Quinn said, you know what? It's not working me calling the defense. You guys try to figure it out. And he ceded it to several guys, including Raheem Morris, who actually was an offensive assistant coach. And then I've already told him specifically. Hey, what are you talking about, McKenzie? I'm sorry, Raheem Morris has been a defensive coach for years. He had one season as an offensive coach, and I, I, we had this conversation. Yes, yeah, so he was an offensive coach. What was last, last year? Was last year the season he was an offensive coach? McKenzie? Uh, I don't I recall. I believe it was the season before. Let me yeah, but I thought you had a bunch of conversation about. <laughs> I'm, okay. I'm pretty confident he was. A, I, I know you're struggling with the way that red button works, but it's on. Yeah, he was an assistant wide receivers coach. It's on if it's red. <laughs> He was an assistant wide receivers coach in 2019. I'm sorry for interrupting. Okay, so he's right then. He was an offensive coach at the time he made the transition. One out of the last 18 years, Okay, yes. that's another way to look at it. But last okay. year, he was an offensive coach and went on defense, correct? Yes. Okay, now red button means on. <laughs> okay, so to summarize, Raheem Morris has always been a defensive coach, and last year he was an offensive See, coach. See, now you're confusing things. Yes. Just say it the way he Raheem said Raheem Morris he, took he, over. He was getting paid to be an offensive coach. Then they said, hey, go try some defense. We know you have a history All there. the plays on defense. No right? one seems to know what it is, but we know it. There you so go. So go give it a try. I'm getting ready to go And the fishing. results were great. Right out say. of the bye, there was a bye week, so there's time to do the transition. Right, let's go. Six and two afterwards, and, and Morris got promoted. He's the defensive coordinator But this in 2011, year. where did he coach? I don't know. Well, we talked about it. He was the head coach for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 2011, Raheem Morris. Well, that does it. So not offense or defense. It's even more confusing. <laughs> I think the D will still be good over seven and a half Atlanta. So here's my question. Does this repeat itself? Meaning what we saw at the end of the year, I'm guessing they're not going to go back to what it was in the beginning of the year, right? Morris, you're back on offense. <laughs> right. So why, why won't this season be as good as the Falcons were? In the second half. I think we've seen this a lot. Remember Jacksonville when they started terrible that year, then Blake Bortles threw for all those yards in the second half of the season. Everyone was, oh, my God, Jacksonville's going to be amazing next year. And, you know, Blake Bortles. Didn't they make the AFC title game? I think that was the year after. (laughs) And now Blake Bortles isn't even around anymore. What my concern is here is that no one's addressing the amount of quality players that Atlanta lost. Desmond Trufant, who, by the way, is getting paid more than $10 a year now to be a starting cornerback, Devonta Freeman. Has anyone looked at this uh, backfield for Atlanta? Todd Gurley, nobody knows what Todd Gurley has left. Edo Smith, Brian Hill, that's the Atlanta running back situation. Gurley, Edo Smith, Brian Hill, Vic Beasley gone. I mean, we're, Vic well, Beasley Gurley, was a, Gur- and I, I'm not saying Beasley and the, some of the cap casualties doesn't mean something. But Gurley's like the seventh or eighth highest payback, even in this new contract. So the assumption is he's not horrible. Now, maybe that's wrong, but you can't look at Gurley because if they got him off the scrap heap, it's one thing. But if you actually look, I think it's six or seven million. He's fairly high paid. But do we know what he's had no. left? I mean, since the knee no. issues, he's at, he has not looked good at all. 
So we're you know we're suddenly saying because he still gets paid a bunch well, of money. I mean, the that Falcons at least made a, a, a they made, they made a calculated a bet. bet. Yeah, but exactly. if that bet doesn't work out, there's not much depth there. That backfield could be really ugly. And I think they lost a lot on the defensive side of the ball. And I'm not sold that hey, just because we went on a run when we were after having one of the worst starts ever, that it's going to transition into this year with new players. I'm going to buck the trend here and go under seven and a half with the Atlanta Falcons. But you need to understand it is not a gamble. It is a calculated risk. You hear that, Matt? Yep. Now, when you're plus 110, it helps. It does. <laughs> Gurley, 5.5 million, number 11 in the NFL of all running backs on the new contract. I like, you know, that's one of the things about the VIG. He's not afraid to buck consent. You and I are both contrarian. Fez is a. He likes know. the narrative. Yeah. <laughs> he does. He likes to act like he was at the, the beginning of the narrative oh, curve. That, that is an interesting point. That is. Because you don't get fired for buying IBM. That's right. You, now, I'm guessing when you were VP at Transamerica, you used to make conservative decisions. Of course. Because you figure the marginal difference doesn't affect you, right? Yes. <laughs> and he admitted his Satanism. So, I mean, it's <laughs> all coming out. <laughs> so, Matty Holt says, under Falcons, I got a pass. It's my fifth pass. And, yeah, so I passed the uh, – oh, no, I got one more pass left. I passed the Bills. The Vikings, the Titans, the Falcons. Yeah, I think Fez is out, and you and I have one more. Yeah. I got one left. Oh, you do? <laughs> He's got nine of <laughs> them. So you don't, obviously, you don't like the Falcon. Because what I was thinking was if they both hit the wall at the same time, the two old quarterbacks, hmm. Falcons go 11 and 5, they win the division, 9 to 1. Yeah, I don't see it. I don't either. <laughs> All right, finally, the Panthers. I think we can make this one quick. Hit it, Fed. Yeah, so Panthers, I'm going under five and a half. You know, we're, you guys probably going to talk about all the COVID transition issues with the coaching and the like. No, we're late. We're going to keep going fast. I'm just going to talk about the defensive starters. All right, page. let me see if I can help this. Oh, you actually have some num real numbers? Eight new starters on defense. Uh -huh. So within a COVID and a, year, and a that's a bunch it. of, you know, draft choices. Yes. It's going to be a slow. And you've got a defensive coordinator that's never coached in the league. Never. You've got a head coach that was like one or two years. I think he was with the Giants, maybe, if I'm remembering right. Rule. So probably the biggest trend. Whatever COVID effect there is, Carolina probably gets hurt the most. Exactly. And you know what? The owner has the will. You know, the whole trust the process assumed. And the reason Philadelphia made a point with Hankey to – have that hashtag. They wanted people to be ready to endure, you know, the rations of wins. Almost like Churchill with his soaring speeches. But I think Carolina is ready to lose because sometimes you got to lose before you win. I don't think they're going to overreact. Like we saw Miami on a path last year, and all of a sudden they were so worried about how they looked. They played mighty hard. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I think Carolina is going to stay the course. To quote George H.W. Bush, thousand points of light. I like the under, though. If you said, and we'll talk about this in another pod, Super Bowl wins the next 10 years, draft a snake draft. I think I'd take Carolina fourth or fifth. 
I'm with you. And I got a feeling they're coming now. Really? Like, not quite there yet again. But this isn't a situation earlier where we talked about Miami winning the division. I'm not trying to say Carolina is going to win the division. I'm not even going to try to make a claim like that. Five and a half wins. Can they win six? Can they win six out of ten? And I think they can. I think Teddy Bridgewater, Christian McCaffrey, second in the league in rushing, 1,387 yards on the ground and 1,000 yards receiving. Everybody knows who plays fantasy football. This guy's the consensus number one pick in the fantasy world because he's so good. They have a great number one receiver, DJ Moore. Their offensive line's good. This offense has the opportunity to be really explosive, and Teddy doesn't turn the football over. I, I understand that they're going to go through some growing pains on defense, but since when is the NFC South known for their defense? This is a rootin' tootin' shootin' uh, division here. Look at known for playing inside a dome, known for having track meets, and I think Carolina is going to win a couple of those track meets, and I'm going over five and a half. I thought he was going to pass after all that. Like, <laughs> no, that's, I'll tell you this, and let me ask you 30 seconds. Uh, your answer, meaning short. Why won't they just put up win totals in the NFL after every week? I know. I mean, like, that seems so easy. Like, you got your future odds. You can do fractional wins. Put a $1,000. I mean, because some I, of it's the workload. The more, it, when yeah. you have humans doing this instead of algorithm machines, the more that they're putting up, the more opportunities they have for typos, human errors, bad. Now, it just... And at that point, guys like Fez just slither around and look for that <laughs> one bad one. And you s- do have that situation. Oh, Matthew Stafford up. He's suddenly going to be out for the year. Yeah. And boom, that hit. That news hits at 8.15 p.m. And all of a sudden, guys just repel from the ceiling and, bat- and pound the under. I don't think they repel from the ceiling. Fez does. Repel from the ceiling. There's no way you can beat him. Nobody's beat him in 15 years. He's the best in the country. <sighs> Fez. And it's being a scumball, really, is what we're saying. But, I mean, you know, you know, we were – you weren't here. We asked him. He was telling us about all the times he's made decisions. No, maybe you were here. And he finally admitted there's never been a time he made a decision that someone's job or whatever was – Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, there was this one time. It's like, well, didn't you gain that? Yeah. Anything else? No. Where he put someone's livelihood in front of his own personal profits, regardless. Of, and the number was $150. <laughs> That's what a person's and then we livelihood came down. was worth. We came down from yeah. You're not supposed to be clapping right now. <laughs> He's clapping. <laughs> yeah. We're like, what is a person's life worth to It was 150 bucks. The value and, and of life to sure, We're not I know. even sure of that. That's a massage. And everyone was taking the under. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Moving on. All right. So... I'm going under, so we got a disagreement. So I got you and Fez. And the point I was going to make about the midseason, I would love to bet. I, I, I mean, I don't know about strength of schedule. I would love to bet under two and a half for the first eight. And, oh, you know, again, it's five and a half, so it's kind of weird. But you know what I'm saying. I think second, I, I think it will be three. There will be two out of three weeks I play Carolina late in the year. Trend line up. Throughout the year. I'm saying, yeah, the weekly, I think this team will probably be maybe the 20th best team the, la- oh, the last four weeks. It's just the whole season. I think they're going to be ba- I think Raiders might come in and crush them in week one. How's the market been on that? All the money on the Raiders. They're actually laying not just minus three, minus 3.1. And that was like minus one, right? Yeah. That was an and SOV best cr- bet we gave out. See, I was actually going to say that to give me credit. And he wouldn't let me even Stepped get all out. Over. No, but it was like you weren't going to let that not be known. 
Four teams left. Maybe the most competitive division at the top, 49ers. 49ers have the third highest win total, 10 and a half. Now, remember, 10 and a half is a full game below the Chiefs, below the Ravens. 49ers, 10 and a half flat. I'm passing this. My last what? pass. What is this? My seventh pass? Seems I, like Seventh it. is generous. Uh, so, quickly? What, I'm worried about the wide receiver. So, number one wide receiver, Samuel. I don't know if he's going to be ready to play week one. Obviously, so Sanders. Who cares about a season week one? Well, they've already lost Sanders and Ayuk. So, so then hurt why as don't well. you mention that? The yeah, one so they're two... already thin at wide receiver. Now their number one is not going to be healthy to start. For one game. Well, they, and also their rookie is is not ready to go. Ayuk so is for one as game. Well. Yeah. Do you understand what we're handicapping here this season? I understand, but so but... you don't have anything, <laughs> Matt. I, I think the losses are substantial here. I, I'm passing as well. This is my last wow. pass. DeForest Buckner, Emmanuel Sanders, Matt Breda, Joe Staley, who is the staple left tackle there forever. I just think this is a different team this year. But but the the Wash the Brown Brown's his name right from Washington, the left yes. tackle. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that's an Joe upgrade. Staley. Yeah. If he's, I mean, if he's if he's a head case fully, then no. But at least last year on the field, they say an upgrade. I mean, I'm going by Could what be, people yeah. say. So, but it's certainly an. A rock solid guy with a question mark. I yep. agree with that. So, and nothing else. I just think when you get into these ten and a halfs, you need to feel good everywhere about a team to bet over. Trent Williams, by the way, and I, I just don't. So I passed. Hey, I we only have five, so yep. it's hard. I mean, or at least we, you know, yeah. Pez got nine. <laughs> I guess. Um, uh, Mackenzie, who I don't know if you know this, he only says it every thirty minutes. He, he's a first cousins. With um, what's the guy's name? The head coach, Kyle Shanahan. Oh, Kyle Shanahan. So I mean, he was depressed. He almost lost his job after the Super Bowl. He was <laughs> he was depressed. That's like I don't want to be around a depressed guy. Shape up or ship out. And a week later, he start. You saw the first smile when Mary ordered some extra food here that he was eating. You know, it, it, it's very interesting. But <laughs> I. I think that Lombardi makes a good point. The Seahawks were what a foot away from winning the division. Yeah, yeah. The Seattle or does uh, San Francisco necessarily even win the second division round at that point? I don't know. Right. And what I know is at some point it's one thing to say the Super Bowl hangover isn't what we think it is because if you actually look, the Super Bowl loser hasn't done poorly for a while. But if you are up, what would you say? Except 85? the Rams last year. Yeah, but it still didn't. Play. I mean, missing the playoffs, yeah, losing that's a, the Super Bowl, no, that's, that's a, a big point. drop. But I think yeah, if you yeah. actually look at the merit, the Rams were one of the, I think the Rams were one of the 12 bet. What, what is there? There used to be 12 playoff teams, right? Six? Yeah. So I, let's agree. But over any fair course of time, and Mackenzie, you did that work. You can probably pull it up as we're talking. Um, but when you're at a 85% chance to win. I thought it was bad for a while. The Rams missed it last no, year. No, the we, Falcons. We got, yeah, we, yeah, we'll pull it up and talk When's about When's the last one time they even made the playoffs? So whenever you're ready, McKenzie, uh, just hit that. Nine of the last 11 seasons, the Super Bowl loser has made the playoffs. So it had to be nine in a row before that because two in a row they lost. The Falcons did make the playoffs. Remember that's year. when they went into Philadelphia and were three-point favorites? When Philly won. Oh, yeah, when Philly won. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. And they were actually a surging team. Remember, that they that, that team was out. getting bad by the wise guys Playing that week. Three. Like, great. At Philly. Yeah. yeah. So. I'm, I'm wrong there. Yeah, I remember that. So, yeah, I mean, you know, he said Kentucky versus, yeah, I mean, I heard him under his breath. I, I get. 
Then he. <laughs> no, but you know what's funny? It's Look, fun. he's a nice kid, but I'll run that race anytime. <laughs> That's why we're here, baby. He's stepping up. So, by the way, just to be clear about the picks that Mackenzie liked, I mean, they were all mine, but uh, <laughs> yeah, over Chiefs, under Cowboys. Over Chiefs. Yeah, under Cowboys, uh, over Browns. I like that. And over Jacks. Over Jags. Jags. I'd like to hear that. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. Under Jags. Under Jags. So I got those four right, right? So over the best team, under the worst team. Oh, hey, listen. When you're 30, if your best practices, (laughs) Fez is still learning when not to be best practices. So, you know, he's good at a lot of other things. Um, Okay. So to finish on the 49ers, I also think what did you, let's be candid. We can talk about the Shanahan's or whatever. When's the last time a Shanahan was competing for the Super Bowl prior to last year? It's been 20 years or whatever. So, I mean, John Elway was quarterback. I mean, because Washington wasn't competing for any Super Bowl. You don't think that the NFC teams were looking at this, whatever you want to call the scheme. What do you call the scheme they run with the running? Zone zone blocking scheme. Outside zone is their favorite play. All right. So whatever it is they're doing, I'm not an X's and O's guy. I, I, I got a feeling it was looked at pretty hard. It feels like yeah. there was a quirkiness to this. And you might say, well, Shanahan kept winning with it. That was 25 years ago, the old man. So who's to say if they don't come out like the Rams? Everyone was calling McVay a boy genius. And one day that offense couldn't work anymore because Chicago and then Belichick did something. If there's any offense that is open or possible that people are just going to fundamentally change the assumptions – wouldn't the 49ers be at the top of the list? Yeah, their, mis- I agree. their misdirection run plays just I'm look not, like they fooled the defense. I'm not saying there might be a third of a chance of that or 20%, but even 20% chance, that makes it, you know, to me, why go over the third highest number yep. in Jimmy G's uncertainty? They scored the second most points in the league last year. Second most points scored. Most of those came in the first eight weeks. Well, not most of the points because, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, But remember, we were breaking down how bad that defense Defense. was the last eight eight games. And then in the playoffs, it looked better, but it really was. It was fine. But if you look at the last 10 or 12 games, that defense is maybe maybe about the 12th or 13th best if you're lucky. What was that, 48-46 against the Saints or something like it? That they, they won with offense. Yeah. So to me, I could make the following case. This team doesn't make the playoffs if... The offense is even curtailed by 15% because they stop a couple of things Mm. schematically. And the defense is as bad as they seemed the last 10 or 12 games. This team doesn't make the playoffs. And Jimmy G's not necessarily going to throw them into games. No. And I'm not saying I love it. I'm just saying it was probably my 20th pick. Seattle, I'm passing. My final pass. Fast pass. Under nine and a half because I'm (laughs) – I want to pass, but I can't. So Seattle won 11 games last year, but they were extremely lucky, nine and two in close games. They really were about an eight and eight team in terms of how many they should have won in terms of their yards People might say Russell Wilson's going to do that, but prior to last year, they were three games under 500 and one score games with Russell Wilson at quarterback. Exactly. But Seattle – I originated that work, so you don't have to say exact. You can say thank you, RJ. Thank you, RJ. Seattle had the hardest schedule in the NFL last year. This year, pretty much middle-of-the-road schedule. That should be worth an extra win. So if they should have been 8-8 eight eight last year, 
That gets them to 9-7. and seven. And now I do like the fact that they pick up Adams at safety, so that's a nice upgrade for Seattle. I think and, you so. know, real quick, my Clayton, the ESPN guy, is out of Seattle. He, he loves that. He was raving about it. And if you actually look at the Earl Thomas thing, and it feels like a, a younger, maybe even less problematic, which is hard to believe, Earl Thomas, and how good was he? You know, I know Adams, some people think, was limited because he's in the box so much. I think that Seattle knows how to use them. And I like the playmakers. I like second year Metcalf comes in. Tan- he tandems up with Lockett. Two really good wide receivers. This is the first time that um, Russell Wilson has had two good wide receivers like this. So nine and a half, I'm just going to lean under. The kind of critique every move of the professionals guys hate how much that Seattle runs the ball. And they say, oh, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think that's changing. So whatever that's worth. Maddie. I'm going to lean over. I wanted to pass too, but I'm going to lean over. Uh, you know, I think this team is in win now mode and they went out and made oh, a geez. bunch of signings just to prove they're in win now mode. And they had the 27 27th ranked offensive line, according to pro football focus last year. So what did they do? Go out and sign a brand new right and left tackles. I think w- with the star players around Russell Wilson who had no offensive line, the fact that their offensive line is going to be a little better, assuming they can stay healthy because they don't have a lot of depth when you get into that win now in the NFL because it eats up your salary cap. Assuming they stay healthy, I think this team wins 10 games or more. Yeah, I almost was looking to play them in a division, actually. And right now the division odds, plus 120, 49ers, plus 225 Seattle. Plus 500 Rams. You get the best quarterback in the division. Yeah. And if they do drop off, uh, I don't like I just, I do think Fez, I think that the numbers were, the number of wins were so much higher than they should have been. I'm always anxious about, you know, again, it matters how much adjustment is made. And in this case, now this is. But aren't they, aren't Pete Carroll in Seattle sort of a little bit like Bill Belichick? I mean, they outperform expectations a lot in that division. I agree, and I also think that the uh, the more close games you're in, the more suited. You ever notice those teams that play a lot of close games tend to win them? Yeah, because they got experience. And, mm. and again, I know historically that hasn't been the case, meaning in Seattle. But you know, you bring up a good point with short timers. That's why I liked the Rams last year. I thought that Ramsey trade really didn't make sense outside of that year, last year, or maybe one more year. Man, who knows though with this year, Gurley gone, you know, and Goff being what he is, I'm not sure it even extended beyond last year. But the Rams were playing hard and and fairly well last year. I mean, are we sure? P- I mean, if we had to bet even money, Pete Carroll, this is 2020. And 2023, or 2022, so two more years, yes, not the third year. Even money, do you, is Pete Carroll the coach in 2022? So Yes. Would you lay what minus two hundred? Would you lay minus one sixty? What do you think? Yeah, yes, minus one ninety. Okay, I would maybe Russell say Wilson's the quarterback. Pete Carroll's the coach. I, you know, he's seventy years old. I know. I, I mean, I just feel like there's a chance that they're making moves that feel like he's not real worried about three years from now. Mm. They're right. trying to win now for yeah. sure. He doesn't have five or ten left, but yeah. maybe two. But maybe right. But but when you trade two first round picks, you're kind of hurting the yeah. third year out, right? Because the theory is that first year it won't mean a ton. So they they've traded like one and a half picks, or like a half a pick, you know. But if you get three or four years out, that's when you start feeling the pain. 
If so, it makes me like him more now because I like him now. And maybe Russell Wilson, maybe he doesn't play well, you know, at, meaning as he gets to be older, that lack of mobility might affect him more so than like can't like he, take these five eleven. He's still five eleven. Runs around. He's the master at that, right? Can he do that at thirty six? And he might be five ten and a quarter at that point too, because you do <laughs> You're shrink, taller than him, right? I mean, he might have to grow his hair out, like like Fletch and Fez. Anything else on this? No. So you and Fez contradicting. Yep. Yep. I'm staying out of it, baby. Switzerland, two teams left. Rams. I think I got an opinion here different. I'm guessing. Uh, I'm guessing mine's different because I know Fez gave out this as the best bet. You've been tracking him, huh? Eight and a half, under 120. Yeah, so under eight and a half for the Rams, all about some losses they had that are under the Are radar, you, like, guys. mumbling? Like, say it proudly, under. I'm under eight and a half, and the Rams lost some guys that, frankly, are under the radar, specifically their linebacking core. They lost two really good linebackers, one to Atlanta, one to Las Vegas. How do we know how good they are, Steve? Because of how much they're getting paid, RJ. So Atlanta and Vegas thinks these guys are worth around 14 mil a year to go ahead and each each to pay these guys. And that's a big loss in the linebacker core. And obviously, Gurley, no no big shakes, but uh, unproven running backs to set up the play action what under a No big shakes. What lingo is that? <laughs> I don't even know what you mean. Cause in a I way, don't either, should, but I kind of yeah. like it. I like the way it sounds, Curly's but I have no idea not what a it top means. Five. Hey, hey, tag that. No big shake. Gurley's <laughs> <laughs> not a top 10 running no, back. No, that's going to be on an isolated mic. That's going to be perfect. But do their existing running backs, are they even top 30 running backs? So, not so that good. would be big shakes then. It's big shakes, the differential. It's not that Gurley's great. It's that they're yeah, backup. But why did you say no big shakes and dismiss it? Because you a, have the under, you would want to accentuate it was a that. bigger shake when Gurley obviously was a top 10 running back and a top five running back. So, like, if someone dies at age 45, you can say no big shakes. He could have been dead at 30. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and when you're a Satanist, that's what you think. Matt. I have a slight lean that way as well. Um, but I, I do think this team was very average. So, I, I think laying 120 here is a little bit scary. <laughs> That's me. Whoa, whoa. Too. I didn't even get to finish yet. No, I'm just letting everyone know what's coming. So I'm on your side here. I oh, had what? a slight lean on the Rams, but when I look at the YP so I'm numbers, over. I am too. Damn. I'm fading his under. I, uh, I'm like, I thought you were with me. I'm like the great. I'm like the greatest magnetic force in Vegas. No. <laughs> you were with me until RJ hit the button, and then you're you, now you're, you're now you're, you're against me. You know what's funny, Matt? Part of his contract is he gets to press one. Sound effect per episode, and here it is. And RJ, we trust you. We get money on them, baby. Here we go. Let's get it. Tuition paid. Tuition paid, guys. That's posted. Already. Hey, go ahead, Matty. You speak your mind. Sure. So, I mean, just like the episode when Fez and I were on the radio together, and he gave this as the best <laughs> bet. Look, Jared Goff had the third most passing yards in football last year, four thousand six hundred and thirty-eight yards passing. Yet he gets zero respect after losing the Super Bowl and bouncing back last year like he had a terrible year. I still think there's plenty of weapons. I think they shored up the offensive line. They spent money where it counts for Goff. Let's see if McVay's a really good coach. All the YPP numbers say slightly above average. What is slightly above average in win totals? Probably nine and seven. Here's my thinking. It's too e I think the real – it's almost like the O'Brien situation. O'Brien's made some mistakes – but how's it affecting the team this year? 
Rams have made some mistakes. Ramsey doesn't even have to be resigned yet. Yeah. How's it affecting the team this year? And I know this, and this was pre-COVID, last thing on this, and then one more team. Or Yeah, Cardinals, very interesting. They were not going to the combine. Two new coordinators, McVay, I think McVay was going to go a half a day. They are hunkered down from what I hear, working, yeah, you know what, off. And I think McVay is a good coach. I think they're going to come out and surprise. They're going to win two or three games with trickery or with a scheme. I just feel like that the three young – Wade Phillips wasn't his first choice necessarily. I think it worked out well. He gets to pick his guy now. I got a feeling we're going to see a mo- – and if there's any chance of the Rams, let's say, going to a championship game in the next couple of years, isn't this the year? Yes. I think – now, if they go down in the dumps, maybe they really go down. But I think they stay motivated. I like over. Faz, you wish you were on the other side right now, don't you? I stick with my handicap unless something's dramatically changed. Well, I spoke. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Last team. <laughs> Last game. Cardinals getting a lot of love MVP talk. Guys, five, eight and a half. I don't understand it. Right now, Cardinals. Let's see where we're at. Seven and a half over 110. I'm on the over seven and a half for Arizona. Kyler Murray, not very good to start the season. First four games, below average QBR. After that, he became an above average quarterback. In fact, I think 12th in the league in QBR in his final 12 games. And I think that now that Hopkins comes over, now Arizona has the wide receivers that Kingsbury really likes. And he can run effectively the four wide receiver sets. Because of that, I think Kyler Murray continues to improve and well all right we got it so seven and a half all this talk feels like this line they should be eight and a, like if all this is true why is it so low because the defense still not good so defense is a yeah, problem defense liability lots of shootouts matt i didn't i think the running game's a problem i think the offensive line's a problem and here's a stat for so all those under. tyler oh, I'm, I'm big time under look oh. i'm if i'm over on the rams and i'm over on the seahawks Somebody's got to go under, and for me, it's the Arizona Cardinals. Out of the top 15 quarterbacks quarterbacks in the league in terms of yards, passing yards last year, and, and Kyler Murray just slips in at the very bottom of that top 15. Quarterbacks that threw for 3,500 yards or greater, 6.9 in attempt uh, point yards per attempt, second worst of any quarterback with 3,500 yards or more. That's not going to cut it. I just don't feel like they're and they're not a team that gets the running game going. Their defense is still atrocious. I don't think either of the other three teams in their division are really dropping anytime soon. I think because he made a few flashy plays and it changed, people's perception of him changed, but he still only had 20 touchdowns, 12 picks, and a 6.9 yards per attempt will not get it done in that division. I'm going under seven and a half. <sighs> okay. I got the over here. I don't love it. But it did feel like the market didn't move as much as the love. And it's like, well, maybe there's value. But maybe it's a sign the market's right. So I don't love it. I got to bet it. But on our cross betting, I will say this. One thing I did like, my understanding is, I don't know. It's the last thing in the whole pod. I don't know enough to know. But I was skeptical both of Murray's height, but Kingsbury's pedigree or lack thereof. In the Big 12, other than Kansas games or whatever, it was like 30, you know, 28 and 52. They said that 
Kingsbury did something they haven't seen except Belichick. He was fundamentally changing so many things week to week. It was like they were running a different scheme every week. And they said the fact that a rookie coach could do that, I think Kingsbury showed a gear that means the whole offseason, whatever that trend line was after the first four games, up, I think there's a real chance it keeps going up. And I think Kingsbury might be in five years, we say, wow, we didn't know how good he was. I'm going by what people say. Recapping. Feds, best bet, Eagles under nine and a half. Matty Holt, Bills over nine. Houston Texans over seven and a half. That's the best bet. Who are we kidding? Listen, guys, we it's 447 on Fez's wife's birthday, and we're wrapping up. Subscribe. Just search RJ Bell or search Dream Preview. We're back on Wednesday, release Thursday with week one. That's it. <laughs> Ortega. It sounded very similar. Krakauer. That is what I, I can't. I always got to say this line after that. I got to get it on, you know, drops. But this is when Rambo, you know, so Rambo's in the cave. Hmm. Remember, this is Rambo 1. Anyone who hasn't seen Rambo 1, don't judge. You're wrong. It's great. Have you seen Rambo 1? Yes. Remember, he's that, that big uh, blonde uh, sheriff. Uh-huh. He's like throwing him up again, put hoses him down. Remember, he fought for this country, Matt. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I mean, you're a you're a veteran, right? Is that the yeah? Way I say? am. I am a veteran. What was your? You were in the Air Force. Yeah, air traffic controller. And for now, and I say this not as a joke at all. Is so it's like someone who's in the Air Force doing that job is just the same as any other. Like same kind of chance to or. You know, like you were a private. Yeah, or, airman first class. Yeah, yeah. I, that's how it goes with the Air Force. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, interesting. So you were smart enough to say, I don't want to fight if I can avoid it, right? I mean, right, which, let's be candid, most people enter the service don't want to necessarily be in a battle zone. So typically, if there was a, so this was during what years were you there? So 96 to 2000. So I was there during uh -huh. Kosovo. I actually TDY'd over to Aviano, Italy during the whole, you know, Milosevic event. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, so you went over to, to Aviano, Italy, and did you know what you were going for? Yeah, or Kosovo. I mean, at that point, Milosevic was pretty hot. I mean, okay, the atrocities so that were happening over there. But a lot of times, so was this where Black Hawk Down, was this the same yes. time as that? Yeah. Okay. Wow. I don't know anything about Black Hawk Down. No, 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 People no, no, always no. ask me, do you know about that helicopter that the and one stuff? That and I, I say, I have no idea. I don't You're saying I was that. not involved. That's in right, yeah. <laughs> We simply, I was at a B-2 bomber base, Rapid City, South Dakota, Ellsworth Air Force Base, and we used some B-2 bombers. So I was part of the deployment that went over to Aviano. So in this day and age, would you have to be over there? Because you always hear about these, um, what do they call it when you have a, a drone? And the, the drone people are just hanging out. I, a lot of them is in Nevada, right? Right up here. Would you have to be over in Italy now or not? I, I don't know. I think for the amount of bombs that we dropped and the situation that was going over there, I don't know that they'd all be drones. But look, I mean, I've been out, out of the military for over 20, over 20 yeah, years. Yeah. So, how nervous were you? Nervous? No, I mean, we were in Aviano, Italy. But not to they get killed, but over. saying that you were doing th like your decisions. I, I was nervous at the time because it had a very uh, people were comparing it to a Hitler feel. It was a it was a. All the tyrannic leader, Milosevic, who was actually very, you know, racist and segregist against the Muslims and the other people in Serbia. 
Um, and basically, you know, you saw the atrocities. They were trying to do some race unified thing there. And we went over there, dropped bombs for about 24 to 48 hours. And then after that, there was no ground war because they gave up. Now, was there any sense at the time that, because remember what we forget about, and we'll have to talk about this some other time, I'm interested, but quickly, is we really didn't ha hardly have any conflict between the end of Vietnam and 2002, you know, let's say the second Hussein deal. Mm -hmm. And so you think about it, that's 75, 85, 90, like 25 years with hardly any. So this would have been one of the hottest times. And obviously Gulf War One yeah. being, you know, hotter. It got a lot more uh, publicity. It lasted longer. And it, yeah, and there was yeah. a ground element. Yeah, yeah. And we were, you know, uh, getting rid of uh, an aggressor in Kuwait. So, I mean, yeah. But this... At the time, was there a sense in the service that, like, oh, we should be here finishing the job? Or was the hit and run kind of something people, the servicemen? Because you would think service people would be trying to avoid battle, but it seems to me they don't want to, like, gravitate towards it. But if it's happening, they want to do it right. So That's you, what I've seen. Yeah, you have to remember, after, I think at the time, people were a little nervous and they didn't totally understand what was going on. And after the Milosevic, they made that movie Black Hawk Down and mm -hmm. some other movies that really showed what the heck was going on over there. But I remember on the news on CNN for for weeks, it was just those uh, refugees just for miles trying to get out of there mm -hmm. because he was killing it them. It felt like you were doing the right thing. That's right. Like, you knew that the stuff happening there was bad. And... Um, yeah, I think they kind of overestimated maybe the army they have because they had no air attack, and yeah. we went over there, and it didn't last too long. Well, we can't forget, and I'm no authority on this on uh, military. You know, a, a guy that's worked with pregame from day one, Mark, who was a roommate of mine in college, was a military historian. So, you know, he had a good depth of knowledge on it or has a good depth of knowledge, I guess. I don't know if he recalls a ton. But <laughs> the thing that's fascinating is, remember, we fought— listen, in Vietnam, obviously— we didn't have the gloves off, right? I mean, if you look at all the movies, Platoon, Apocalypse Now, you know, the sense, you know, and even Rambo in that movie said, you know, they didn't let us win. And, you know, it's, you put someone's life on the line and you don't let them win, that's tough, right? no doubt. But still, it was fought to a draw in a way and, and give the Vietnamese credit. They were defending themselves and, you know, and you could debate north, south or whatever, but... But here's the thing. Technology changed so much between even 75 oh, yeah. and nine, you know, mid-90s. Forget now. Is if, if, if You talk about haves and have-nots. Back before, you might have had a better gun. You had better strategy. But it, you were playing the same game against a lesser opponent. Correct. Here, today, you know, we got night vision. We got the drone support. They got... It, it's a different game, you know, so to, and then once we go into robot fighters and which, you know, rest assured, that's the next step. I mean, it might not be for, you know, might be 30 years, who knows? It's going to be even more like that. But it wasn't just 20 years ago. We fought in Vietnam for like 10 years, 20 years before in 95. We fought for 10 years and it was a draw. Imagine today how quickly we'd go through Vietnam. Yeah. I mean, it was like even, it's been 20 years. I mean, it's sick. It's been 20 years since that we've been, to me, I think it's sick. We've had so many troops fighting for 20 years. But you think the first or the second Gulf War was 20 years ago. And we went through like a, you know, knife through hot butter. Not that there wasn't sacrifices, but it wasn't. There was never a sense we, were, we weren't going to win that. 
right? And it's just so interesting how in Vietnam, the whole country was affected. And I don't remember because I was a kid, like five years old when the war ended or four. But if you think about it, and Matt, you're somewhat younger than me. Faz, you probably, I mean, you're, I'm not going to say significantly older, but nearly nearly a decade. Um, (laughs) The whole country's attitude with Jimmy Carter and the whole Iran, I mean, imagine Iran keeping our hostages today. Well, they we'd, about, be, we'd be knocking them one off at a time. Until, go ahead. Well, we're talking about the miracle on ice, and that was 1980, mm-hmm. right? And that was so important because we were so starved for yeah. an international victory. Yeah, true. And, and then when I still remember waking up and Carter tried to have some effort at saving or, or uh, retrieving the hostages— and like two helicopters went down in the <laughs> desert, and it was like it was like what can we? There was really a sense of like this country doesn't do anything right. And now you think about it, technology with let's say Silicon Valley, and the military are the two things that we would say, oh yeah, we got the best tech in Silicon Valley. And when it comes to fighting, forget about it, right? We could probably take on the world, and right. you know, so. Now, we can debate, oh, with people starving, should we spend that much? But at least as Americans, if there's any sense of what do we do, great. The military went from being a negative, obviously in WW2 it was a huge positive, Korea, okay, to being, has any country ever been this dominant over the number two? And how did that, that all happened in a fairly short period of time, which was driven by technology. It's interesting, you were there right as a, so how long were you in the service? Just four years. Okay. Yep. Did you even see an evolution during that time of how important technology was, or was it too short a time? Probably too short a time. But the one time, I mean, if you look up Milosevic, if you're not mm-hmm. familiar with the scene, it was, you know, he ended up being tried as a war criminal after we we literally dropped enough bombs in the whatever, 36 hours we dropped bombs that when the ground troops came in after no one, they, I don't even know that there was a shot fired. Like literally everyone gave up. <sighs> Smart movies. Yeah. yeah. And last thing I'll say is it was really, remember, back then it was a huge issue Clinton hadn't served. Because if you actually look, uh, now Reagan served, you know, put in quotes if you want, where he was in the service, but he wasn't fighting, right? Like a Joe Lewis kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, he was a Hollywood guy. Um, prior to that, I think Jimmy Carter was in the Navy. Almost every, like you couldn't become president if you didn't serve. Yep. And... Uh, Clinton changed that in a way, and and since we've had, and and you know, let's be candid, whatever side of the aisle you're on, W wasn't looking to serve. Obama, it wasn't even, you know, it wasn't a war going on, so it wasn't like, you know, it was a choice not to go in. And obviously, these days, not many Harvard grads or whatever are going into the service, so it's hard to blame them. And now, whatever you say about Trump, he certainly didn't want to fight. And Biden, I, I didn't even know about this. Apparently, he had six deferments. So, the, I mean, in a way, the country really was like the service was part of your growing up to being, okay, uh, if socioeconomically you're going to be struggling, this is an, I mean, for you, what was the thought process was simply rot, like the benefits after you got out, right? Which only makes a ton of sense. So I, I always had the intent to go to college, but my family really wanted me to serve. Like it's your civic so you, duty your to dad. serve your country. So when I went in, I actually went in with the double thought process of I'd like to be an air traffic controller. and For a the, career potential. Yes, for a career. And it was a six-figure job back then, to, just when you got in. And 
Uh, there are only two ways to get in. Go to this one school in Minnesota, or literally one air traffic control mm -hmm. school, or you went through the military. So I said, well, perhaps I can accomplish two things at once. You know, get my air traffic controller schooling here in the military and then come out and work for the FAA. And then while I was in the military, I realized I didn't want to be an air traffic controller. How long in? As like, soon as I got raided, I realized, you know, if you have a bad day at work, people die. Um, it's just so stressful. I got to meet a lot of people that had done it for 2025. And I look, I said, I don't want to be them. Nothing against them. You know, oh, very yeah, smart people. Yeah. Uh, very plus, well some trained. People are built, I mean, some people, the stressors don't affect them the same. It just like, it's almost like they're oblivious in a way. And did you ever see the movie? It was such a good movie for not being... In Cup yeah, or, yeah, yeah. It wasn't Tin Cup. Not Tin Cup, uh, but tin, it's tin. with Billy Bob. Yeah, yeah, Billy Bob Thorne. Yeah. That was interesting, wasn't it? It's an interesting job. I mean, how they showed he just was in a different place. It, it, that character where he just didn't bother him. It was like, in a weird way, I mean, I think Billy Bob Thorne is a great actor. So it was, you know. But, but it's a job that doesn't allow you to be creative. You have to do the same things, buy the same techniques every single day. Like most bookmakers. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I think they try more now than ever. But. Well, that's, yeah. Interesting. Well, listen, I, you know, it's funny. I, you, you know, you've mentioned maybe three or four times over the years, you know, that you were in the Air Force, but that was fascinating.